Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. KB and Smoke with you and reminding you again that it's a big week for Charlotte FC here in the Queen City. Join Willie P., Will Palachuk, and Jessica Sharman this Saturday night as Charlotte FC opens their 2024 season at home against New York City FC. The pregame starts at 7 and all of the action begins at 7.30 right here on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Uh, taking your thoughts, your responses to the Hornets. Starting back up tonight, what would you like to see the rest of the way? 704-570-9610. They're 13-41. and 41. They've played 54 games. So if you, you do the math, they've got 28 to go. You know, they're, they're still within shouting distance of the, the final play-in spot, but I wouldn't bank on that, let's say. I, I, I wouldn't put a lot of money on that. I believe they are. Let me do some quick math here. The Hornets are 10 and a half games back of the 10th spot in the East, which would be the final play-in spot. 10 and a half games with 28 to go. That's a big ask. That's a really big ask, right? But it is what it is. It is what it is. I mean, they, they put themselves in this position. If they make a run at it, great. I think that that spells good things for next year. But they're on a three-game winning streak. At some point, that's going to end. But, you know, what are you hoping for? What's going to keep you excited? And Because, I mean, the, the win streak's going to end. If you like basketball, if you like the Hornets, I think you're sticking around regardless. But for others, what is it? 704-570-9610. Uh, Bebop from Rock Thrill said, It's a sad world we live in when love is blind is more relevant and exciting than the world of sports. Is it, though? Is it, I mean, is it really that, though? Because I don't, I don't think that's accurate. I, I don't. I mean, first of all, it's got a low this this particular season has a local tie to the Charlotte area. And oh, by the way, football's over. The basketball team, uh, earmuffs, Copeland, earmuffs. Okay, they're 28 games under 500, and there's no baseball team here, and the tournament's not here yet. So we got ACC hoops. If you're into Charlotte FC, that's coming up on Saturday. But you know, a little little lifestyle and pop culture never killed anybody. It's not my first choice either. But it's a Charlotte season. People are into it. These people are literally popping up around town. Uh, I think the guy, our guy Amit over at Graham Street Pub was saying that one of the cast members used to bartend there. People are into it. Let people have their fun. Can we? All right, 704-570-9610. Keep hitting us up. Let's go to smoke with the best audio in sports. What did you say? You what? What did you say? Hold up. Wait a minute. Something ain't right. What did I hear you say? What I mean by that is... Also, someone said, sorry if I missed it, but is LaMelo playing tonight? He is not. Uh, he was announced as out as uh, I think yesterday. First place I saw it was Rod Boone. They're saying he's doing a lot of great work and he's looking good and he's you know getting workouts and he's close, but he's I also, still not playing. I also wonder it is the first night of a back-to-back. -back. Sure, I, I I think that's a fair point. First night of a back-to-back could be tomorrow night. Yeah, could be. All right, what you got over there? Last night was a big night for Duke as they blew out the U. But the narrative surrounding this team, despite being on a winning streak, has been that the Blue Devils are soft. And after soft. last night's win with John Shire, he was asked about that narrative. I think some of that talk is kind of it's kind of funny to me because you know how many teams that in the country right now have 20 wins and people are talking about how tough are they or are they do they have dogs? How do you get 20 wins without having that? And you know our guys. 
you know, are they perfect? Have they had moments where they've, uh, when I say our guys, that's our team. That's that's us as a staff. That's that's Duke. That's like, are there moments where we could have played better or we didn't play as, we didn't play through the contact like we needed to? Of course. But that's part of, you could show that for any team in the country. That's why there's no team that's undefeated. And so I think some of the narrative, I don't, uh, I just flat out don't agree with, with our guys. I mean, this, are they the toughest team ever? No. They're not like Tennessee from two years ago. <laughs> right? They're, they're not Baylor from a couple of years. They're not that kind of tough. But they're tough enough. And they're tough enough and really talented. That's what you get. They're tough enough. They're really talented. I think John Shire said it best. You don't get to 20 wins without having at least some of that. They are what they are. They're good. I, I, I don't think they get bounced on the first weekend of the tournament. I don't think that Duke necessarily ends up in the Final Four either. They're, they're probably a Sweet 16 type of team. I would think. Yeah, unless they really turn up into another level. Yeah. Yeah. But I, as of right now, I'd say they're a Sweet 16 team. What else you got? Another ACC blowout game that happened last night was uh, Clemson getting revenge against Georgia Tech in Atlanta. And it led to Jim Beheim, who was on the broadcast with Corey Alexander and Wes Durham, giving Durham. us the details to when he got mistaken for a famous politician in Hotlanta. We had a dinner at a restaurant here in Atlanta where in a previous experience at the same restaurant, Coach Beheim was... I mean, how do you how do you say this? The guy thought you were Bernie Sanders. Well, Bernie for, Bayheim in 2024. I am with it. First of all, you don't even know how to tell the story. I'm sitting there with my son and a couple other people, and this guy comes over and says, hey, great, great year. Well, you're doing an unbelievable job, and I'm kind of feeling good. Right. You know, he's, you know, and I don't think we were that good either. But anyway, and then he goes, well, good luck, Bernie. And walks away. My son... It still laughs about it. That was like ten. It was eight years ago or something. You get my vote. Coach. I think I'm a lot better looking, by the way. <laughs> to the point. Yeah, that's good. Of all the moments that I've, I've not like. There's so many moments in the world that we'll never be a part of, that we'll never get to experience, that we could never witness firsthand. I would love to have been there to see a man walk up to Jim Beheim and say, "Hey, Bernie, you're doing a great job." Thank you for what you're doing for blah, blah, blah. To see Jim Beheim watch a man confuse him for Bernie. I, I really wish I'd been there to see I, that. I honestly have never really put two and two together, but once they put the side by side, I'm like, okay, I can get it. I, they don't it, really it, look that similar. No, they don't. It's just they're old. They got white hair. Like, usually when I think of Bernie and, an, and a lookalike, it's Larry David because he played Bernie and they're actually somehow related. And, but yeah, but now I can just imagine Bernie being a coach. Gotta break up the big, gotta break up the big offense here with the zone. Gotta break up the big offense with the zone here, guys. <laughs> Carmelo, get the jumper there on the elbow. Uh, that's good stuff. What else you got? All right, uh, keeping things in the ACC. JJ Redick has had a busy week on the ESPN. Yes, from, he has. From calling out Doc Rivers to this, as uh, he has included some comments from yesterday's edition on First Take to the problems the NBA faces when trying to break down the game for both the casual and diehard fans. Now I want to address Stephen A's point. Since when is it players' jobs to educate people on basketball? When did that become a thing? When did that become a thing? Isn't that our job? Isn't that our job? I'll answer. I'll I do answer that as my I'm, job. I'm, I'm, That's I'm, my job I'm, to educate I'm, people I'm on letting, basketball. I'm letting you speak, and no, then I, I'm, I'll I'm, answer. I, I'm, it's our job, Stephen A., to educate people on basketball. 
It's okay. our job. And here's the reality. This is the ecosystem we live in. I can do okay. a video on my podcast. I can do a video on my podcast where I break down the last nine games the Pelicans have used Zion Williamson as the primary ball handler and what type of actions that has led to. I looked it up this morning. 54,000 views on YouTube. But I want to call out a coach yesterday. Oh, that gets tens of millions of engagements. That's the ecosystem we live in. So do fans actually want to be educated or not? Mm-hmm. Do they? Mm-hmm. I I wanted to get to that yesterday. And I want to know how fans feel about that. Because I think JJ's telling truth there, right? I mean, I, it's why, like in this job, I was just reading an article about this yesterday. Are there fans out there that really love a good breakdown of the the pros and cons of the 3-4 versus the 4-3? The yeah, they're, they're out there. There's some. Are there fans that want to listen to, you know, an in-depth breakdown about the differences between cover two, cover three, covers like, yeah, they're out there. But the widest swath of sports fan wants to hear about the latest big news. They want to be entertained. Yeah, they want information, but like enough to stay up to speed. And let's be real, the NBA in particular, it's, it's kind of become a giant soap opera for men. It's, it's not just men, but it's a giant soap opera for mostly male sports fans. So JJ's right. You know, he breaks down the last nine Pelicans games with, you know, what do you say, Pat Bev or not Pat Bev? Um, what did he say? At point guard, whoever. And he gets 54,000 views, but he calls out Doc Rivers and says, that's always a lack of accountability with that guy. And he's going right at Doc Rivers. He gets, he gets 10 million views. So what other conclusion are guys like J.J. Redick and those of us in the industry, quote-unquote, loosely speaking, TV, radio, sports media, like what other conclusion are you left to draw? And people don't really want the in-depth breakdowns. They don't, you know, it's fair to question, do fans really want to be, you know, top-notch when it comes to the hardcore sports knowledge, or do they just want to be entertained? Because I think the numbers would indicate that it's the latter, to J.J.'s point. Why do you think First Take has become such a big deal? People forget that show was exclusively on ESPN2 for the longest time. Why do you think it's on ESPN now? Yeah. By the way, AJ says, can't believe I'm saying this as a kid who grew up loving Carolina and hating JJ with a passion, but I love him on TV. I don't think I've ever disagreed with the take I've seen of his, and he just tells it how it is, even if it's not popular. Man, I was ahead of the game of you guys. I've been ahead of the game for 20 years. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Real Tar Heel says, KB, these dookies never stop whining. (laughs) Was that whining, though? Or was he just making a point, like a, a decent point right there? All right, you tell me. What else you got? We end with Johnny Football as he was the latest guest on Club Shay Shay with Shannon Sharp. And he revealed that uh, Johnny Football's run could have been longer in A&M, but his beef, apparent beef with Kevin Sumlin, apparently did not help and put the kibosh to it. I'm leaving to go to the draft. And I'll paint a picture for you. It's 2000, the spring of 2014 December 2013 right in there about December January I'm getting ready to make this decision on if I'm going to the NFL draft or I'm going to stay and I found this out five years later from my dad but my dad went and had a meeting with Kevin Sumlin and pretty much went to him man to man and was like we'll take three million bucks and we'll stay for the next two years and my dad says this is true as is today as he did when he told me he left he did the same thing that he did when Cliff Kingsbury asked him to be the highest paid offensive coordinator the year before. And Cliff would have stayed with me another year and we would have ran it back and right. gone for another one. Right. 
but he comes to someone, he asks him for X amount, someone, he had this ego about him that what we built, we, was all him. Oh, three million dollars. That seems like a low ball off. I love these stories, man. (laughs) I love it because, again, it paints the picture of, you know, for the all the folks saying NIL killed college athletics. Well, no, I think it's the combination of NIL and the portal, and I think it can be reined in. But there's another shining example of what's been going on for years. Do they all get it? No, but a lot of them have. So if back then, long before the curtain dropped on amateurism and the, the NIL became part of the American sports lexicon, the way that it is now, long before, many years before that, Manzel's pops is going into Kevin Sumlin's office and saying, yeah, you know, hey, cut us a check for three mil. We're no, probably not a check. Um, bag of cash, three mil. We'll stick around for two more years. Man, what what were other players getting? You got to think, well, probably not as much as Johnny because no. Johnny would was one of the biggest names. It's not the biggest name in college football for two years. But, uh, yeah, it's it's a big what if in multiple scenarios for multiple generations. It makes you wonder how many other guys, you know, really got a bag and how much it was because we'll never find out. We'll never know for the most part, unless they tell these stories. But three mil then? Like, that's even a number that stops you in your tracks. That just shows you that Kevin Sumlin must have really got caught up in the sauce that was Kenny Trill. There you go. We'll come back. Luke DeCock, Raleigh News and Observer next. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This is Nick Richards of the Charlotte Hornets. You're listening to Kyle Bailey on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ, the exclusive home of the Charlotte sports fan. Radio 92.7 WFNZ rocking and rolling on a Thursday. Queen City, we appreciate you dearly hanging out with us. Thank you so much. 704-570-9610. Send us your deepest and darkest, not your darkest. I shouldn't say that. Send me your most insightful thoughts on the text line. I say darkest and Lord knows what we're going to get. Let's not do that. Um, Also, Smoke, I forgot to mention that there are some people who have not forgotten your pronunciation of Vinny Del Negro's name yesterday. And, uh, you know, you don't have to comment. Your reaction was good enough in the, in the moment yesterday. Although Colin Hoggard now wants us to come up with a list of other all-time athlete names that you should stay away from, which may or may not get us in trouble. All right. I'm just saying Hoggard wants that list. We may have to make it on the text line. 704-570-9610. You all right over there? You good? Dick Trickle. Dick Trickle. <laughs> I, I, that's just a fun one. That's just a fun name. All right. Uh, we'll make the list on the text line. The the all-time worst sports names that Smoke should stay away from after yesterday's snafu. Let's bring in Luke DeCock, Raleigh News and Observer, sports columnist, longtime sports columnist. He's back with us live from the Triangle with us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. Luke, how are you, buddy? Good. 
fully fully uh, aware of myself as a name. Smoke should not be thick. <laughs> yeah, well done, well done. That's why you're you're a brilliant man. Um, hey, let's start with the Carolina Hurricanes. They got a big one tonight, don't they? Florida Panthers coming to town. I think I saw they're looking for their twelfth straight road win and. Now, here's Carolina. They got uh, things are starting to look better and better all the time. That second line's looking pretty good. What do you think about tonight? Yeah, I mean, it's a good test. I'm not sure that the Hurricanes have really reached their ceiling yet. Um, they've played well. Uh, special teams have been better. Goaltending has been better. Um, but there's still another level for this team to get to, probably needs to get to, um, when it, if and when it sees the Panthers again in the postseason. So, it's a good test. The Panthers are a team that, for whatever reason, and, and last year a lot of it had to do with goaltending and Sergei Bobrovsky being on an unbelievable hot streak, uh, they, they match up well with the Hurricanes. The, the way they play, which is a little slower, a little, little uh, uh, you know, beefier, for, for lack of a better word, than the Hurricanes, they're going to play a, a more grinding game. The Hurricanes want to get going up and down. Um, not that they don't grind people, but they'd rather do it by getting the puck into your end, getting on your heels and, and going after you. And the Panthers are going to, you know, do it in a more maybe old fashioned way, but they also, uh, last year in the playoffs, especially had terrific goaltending. So it's an interesting clash of styles. Good test for the hurricanes in the end. doesn't really matter. Uh, if the hurricanes were to lose and the Panthers were to extend their streak tonight, hurricanes are in the playoffs either way. They're not going to play the Panthers before the conference finals. Uh, this is all sort of uh, uh, window dressing. But we've seen it in the past with the Bruins, especially when the Hurricanes were having trouble getting past them in the postseason. Sometimes regular season meetings can change the dynamic between two teams. Mm-hmm. And once the Hurricanes started pushing the Bruins around a little bit in the regular season, their fortunes did change in the postseason. So obviously the Hurricanes were heavily favored last year. It's a different dynamic with the Panthers. But the Panthers are playing really well, and this is a chance to make that kind of statement. So you you alluded to you know the goaltenders there a second ago. It's funny the last time you and I brought this up, we were talking about kind of an issue there. And I was reading a piece over at the Athletic from Corey Lavalette earlier today about uh, suddenly a glut of goaltenders. Just for anybody who might be catching up or turning their attention to hockey for the first time since the end of football season or whatever the case may be. Who, it, it, assuming this team's in the playoffs, big game. You know you're looking for the right guy in net. Who are they going to? Well, in theory, it should be Frederick Anderson, but he hasn't played since November because he had a blood clotting issue that's taken a while to sort out, which these things tend to take a while to sort out. Uh, he's back practicing, and in theory, he would be the number one guy. But he's had durability issues in the past. He missed the start of the postseason last year. It's entirely possible a two-month two break in the middle of the season is the best thing for him. Um, but in you know nominally speaking, he's the number one. And then you've got... Theodor Kachekov, who's the third-year Russian goalie, played really well uh, sort of in a cameo appearance in the playoffs two years ago, um, played really well in the middle of last season, um, struggled at times this season, sort of came into the season as the third goalie, has kind of become the the 1A, especially with, with Freddie on the shelf. Uh, very erratic, extremely talented, kind of crazy, to be honest with you, in an old-school goalie way. Um uh, you know, he's he's kind of a wild card. He can be extremely good. He can be uh, not so hot. Then you've got Antti Ranta, uh, veteran, much beloved in the room, great guy, uh, you know, best when he plays sparingly, really struggled uh, in November and December, the same time Kachekov did when Freddie was hurt. Ended up getting sent to the AHL to kind of retool and recalibrate, which seemed to work. Um, he's injured now, but working his way back. Uh, really more of a backup option, but he played really well for them in the playoffs last year when Freddie was out. 
And then you've got Spencer Martin, who they claimed on waivers from Columbus, not the guy anyone on the message boards was clamoring for, uh, and is coming in won all three of his starts, two of them against the best teams, two of the best teams in the league on the road. So goaltending is weird. Like, that's the thing about it. There's very little sort of consistency from year to year other than those guys in that very elite tier. So the Hurricanes have sort of four tickets to the lottery now. Uh, you know, Freddie Anderson would presumably be the starter. Kachekov would presumably be the first option. But the way that Spencer Martin has played, and look, this is a guy who came out of nowhere, was playing not a ton for the Columbus Blue Jackets. They put him on waivers. The Hurricanes grab him, and he's come in, and it's only three games, but he's given them exactly what they needed, which is someone they could count on when the other guys need a break. So it's not out of the realm of possibility he could end up playing in the postseason. The biggest problem that they're going to have when Anderson and Ronta are both healthy is what to do with four goalies because you can't carry four. I don't think they're going to want to lose Martin at this point the way he's played. And I don't see Ronta's already taken one for the team going down to the AHL once. It's tough to ask a veteran guy to do that twice. So that's a little bit of a knot that has to be untied, but those are your sort of uh, cast of characters in that. All right, we got Luke DeCock, Raleigh News and Observer, longtime sports columnist. He's with us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. Uh, my guy John and Mooresville wanted me to ask you about uh, baseball, and I think it's a, a good time to do it because yesterday on ESPN, as you probably know, uh, there was a piece up about expansion in Major League Baseball, and not just that, but there were you know captions, segments on each potential city, and the front page of ESPN yesterday was the shot of the Charlotte skyline uh, from basically the vantage point of the press box at Truist Field in Uptown, home of the Knights. Um, I thought the the article itself, the caption itself for Charlotte was utterly useless. But uh, being that you're out there in Raleigh and obviously you cover Tom Dundon's team and we talked to Tom here on the show a couple of months ago about his intentions. Have you heard anything? What, what are your thoughts? No, I haven't. But this was never going to be a immediate kind of thing. A lot of this was doing due diligence to figure out if it even made sense, whether that was Raleigh or Charlotte. Um, obviously, you know, Charlotte has its advantages. Raleigh has the advantage of being where the Hurricanes are, the team that he already owns, um, and not having a lot of sort of other pro competition in the form of an NFL and NBA team. So there's sort of interesting points for each market. I, I still think even with Dundon's sort of muscle behind it, this is a very long shot. Um, economically speaking, especially for the triangle, it's, it's a really tough list because of the number of tickets you need to sell and the corporate support you need to do that um you know the sort of amenities you have to sell in terms of suites and party decks and things like that you need a ton of corporate support um it, it makes it difficult and, and really honestly in charlotte as well when you look at the cities that have mlb teams or get mlb teams um they're typically bigger um it's a tough sport to support especially now that you're heading into an era in the sort of late 2020s uh, where you're not going to be able to count on local broadcast revenues the way you once could. That was a big reason, uh, a big engine fueling baseball's economic growth sort of in the 80s, 90s, and 2000s was the fact that they had these, you know, in the case of the Dodgers, extremely lucrative local TV deals. Um, but that's, those are dead now, um, you know, it, except in a few very rare instances like the Yes Network. That dynamic just doesn't exist anymore. So I still think this is a very long shot. I think it's great that somebody is taking a look and trying to crunch the numbers, but I don't expect this to be something that turns around quickly. Um, in both cases, you're talking about billions of dollars to build an adequate stadium. That's a really big nut just to talk about, just to get started, let alone payroll, front office, scouting, development, all these other expenses that go into it. Um, it's a really big lift starting from scratch. Um, you know, there's all those 
talk about moving a team, but even then you're still talking about billions of dollars from a stadium. Um, it's just, it's a really hard hurdle to get over. All right, Luke, uh, let's talk about Duke last night. They beat Miami. We know this is not the Miami team that you know, Miami fans, Jim Laranega expected, no Nigel Pack, that you know, backcourt's kind of decimated. But you know, Duke was uh, dominant last night, and it seemed the theme after the game with John Shire was about toughness and, and you know bristling at the idea that his team is not tough enough. What, what do you think specifically about Duke's toughness? Because it, it, it is required often to make a run in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a. I think it's a valid question to ask, especially when you look at what happened to them last year against Tennessee, where they were out tough right out of the tournament um, by a bigger, stronger team. Uh, and, and you've seen it. Like I, I think what you what it really comes down to this season is how do you define toughness? Is it physicality? Is it you know pushing guys around, boxing out, um, you know defending hard? Like like I think Duke has some of that. The question with Duke, and look, John Shire raised these questions himself. The home loss to Pitt. Can you face up to a guy on the other team who's showing you up? The game at Chapel Hill. John Shire was irate at the way, and really more like disappointed parents. Like, I'm not angry with you. I'm just disappointed at the way Duke didn't pursue loose balls and didn't hustle the way that, you know, Shire would expect. So I, I think Shire, to a certain extent, is trying to get that off his team's mind by claiming that, hey, we're past that. But I think it's a valid question to ask when you look at the games they've lost. It's just a question of how you define toughness. And I think for Duke, it's really more mental toughness. You know, the the going after loose balls, um, really dialing in on defense in, in tough environments, even when that's at home and it's a guy like Blake Hinson who's making you look silly. So I, I, think it, I think it is, A, fair to question Duke's toughness. I think it's equally fair for John Shire after last night, after some of the games the Blue Devils have played recently, especially coming out of that Carolina game. He wanted to see a response from his team, and he's seen it. So this is a good time for him to kind of use the bully pulpit pulpit and point out to people that the questions that I had about my own team, my own team has answered. And, uh, you know, talking about toughness is one way to do it. So I think think it's a fair question to ask and a fair point for Shire to make after a nice win over Miami. Now, yesterday, we got into a fun conversation. I don't know about fun for NC State fans, but we got into a conversation with NC State fans about, hey, if this thing continues to spiral, obviously losing to Syracuse doesn't end the season, but you know, if you don't make the tournament, you fire Kevin Keats, who do you think's the next man up? Like, who's the right guy for this job in 2024? I had a few texters want me to ask you this question, so I'll pass it to you. If they move on, um, who, who do you think they would or should be targeting? I'm, I'm a, big, a big Pat Kelsey guy myself. Yeah, I mean, I think you want someone who's got – uh, some roots in the ACC, which Kelsey obviously does. Um, but I think you need a guy who has some experience winning at a high major level. Because, you know, when you look at, at Kevin Keats and, and you, you sort of go back and debrief what went wrong there, um, it was a guy whose only head coaching job was at UNC Wilmington, um, obviously had experience at Louisville with Rick Pitino. Um, you know, so I think you want somebody who is, you know, which is something that Mark Gottfried actually had on his otherwise barren resume, somebody who's, who's coached and won a, at a high major level. You know, is NC State desperate enough to go out and get somebody like Will Wade and all the bags that he carries? Uh, it was certainly someone that NC State looked at when they hired Kevin Keith. Um, but those are the kind of guys who are going to be out there. I, I will say, in, in, you know, the talk about the season spiraling, um, you know, this is a, something I've had this conversation with several people this week. I think we too often get caught up 
in that sort of every game is a referendum mentality. Yep. NC State is not that very far removed from going down and beating Clemson um, in, in, with a terrific late game performance and really probably should have beaten Syracuse, all things considered. So, you know, the, the sort of uh, state of NC State basketball and Keith and his future and all that, I, I just feel like we're kind of jumping the gun on that a little bit. They still have two big games against Carolina and Duke. They have winnable games, and they have an ACC tournament. Um, I, I just feel like people are – are and this, look, this is a sign of the apathy that surrounds that program. There's no question about it, and that is a big-picture issue that's not easily addressed. But I just, I just feel like we're kind of veering from uh, extreme to extreme with NC State basketball, and everyone just needs to kind of let, let this play out and see where it goes. And don't forget, also – You've got a chancellor who's walking out the door next summer, presumably. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got an AD who hasn't shown a, a, a lot of sort of inclination to make big changes. I'm not sure Kevin Keith's job is in as much danger as everyone thinks it is, even if they miss the tournament. And it might not be. And I said this. I said something similar yesterday, and I saw your tweet about it. That hey, I'm not gonna. I'm not, we're not gonna talk about him as if as if it's over because they're eight and seven in conference with multiple games to play in a tournament. So you know, two weeks from now, you, Kevin Keats could get the last laugh, and none of this conversation matters. But I mean, we, you and I both know how many fans inside that fan base feel about what's going on. Um, you know, before I let you go, the news yesterday. I, I guess it was yesterday, maybe two days ago that. Um, the, the playoff committee, you know, we're, we haven't even cracked the seal on a 12 game college football playoff. And there's already murmurings about it going to 14 teams as early as 2026. What do you make of this? I mean, I, the, the thing with the CFP and, and this has been obvious, well, from the beginning, but even if you go back to a couple summers ago where they were trying to put the original 12 team proposal, slide that under the door before anyone found out that Oklahoma and Texas were jumping to the SEC. Uh, these guys are making this up as they go along. They really don't have any big long-term plans for this stuff. They're veering from whatever solution seems to make the most sense and make the most money at any given time. Um, I don't have a ton of confidence in the long-term vision that these guys have for the CFP. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just doesn't, to me, strike. You know, it, it it strikes me as something that is kind of cobbled together and has been probably more successful than anyone envisioned to the point where it's now a sort of this own financial powerhouse center rivaling the NCAA. Um, I, I just, you know, if I, well, we're going to do five and seven. Is that going to change at some point? You know, there was talk about farming out the TV deal, the multiple outlets. So everyone got a piece. NBC would get the Notre Dame games and Fox would be involved and maybe Amazon or Apple gets a game. And it's, it ends up going back to ESPN and they may sub license some of it. To some of those people, but it's there's not there's not a ton of imagination here. There's not a ton of 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 innovation. Um, it's a bunch of guys doing the least the least common denominator that gets them the most money. And so I, you know, could we go to 14? Could we go to 16? Could we go to 32 and start the season in July? Uh, who knows? If someone offers them enough money, they'll do it. They're just yeah. running down the street chasing after nickels at this point. You're not wrong about that. Luke, I appreciate you, brother, as always. We'll talk to you next week. All right, Cal. Take care. There you go. Luke DeCock, Raleigh News and Observer, with us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. It's a lot there, man. There's a lot there. Norm in Raleigh, though. Norm in Raleigh. Shout out to Norm. He says that Luke is another Keats apologist. Look, the guy's been in over his head since day one. NC State is not Duke or North Carolina, but we do deserve better than the results so far. Two appearances out of seven years with no wins. Interesting the way you put it. You deserve better. Um, and I'm not arguing with you. I mean, 
do we all agree that NC State basketball should be better than two NCAA tournament appearances in seven years? Considering how much that fan base cares, yeah. I won't argue with that. I won't argue with that. 704-570-9610. A different texter wrote in. Oh, Wolfpack James wants to add Chris Mack to the list, he says. And then I think he's asking if we if they could get him. Where's he from? Oh, he's got no Southeast ties. He's currently working on the Field Assist 68 podcast network. Has been for the last two years. Yeah, I'm just thinking. I mean, he was at Wake with Skip Prosser, so he knows the conference a little bit. But Wake, Darren Skip Prosser, Wake in the ACC today. Well, and of course he played. He was coaching at Louisville. Yeah, well, that's true. I mean, I'm just talking about pre-Louisville, but like things didn't end well in Louisville. No, nah, they didn't. And look how Louisville's doing right now. No, nah, they didn't. You're right about that. 704 number here, real quick. Says uh, KB. I'm kind of fascinated with this Major League Baseball expansion news. But I'm a little worried it won't be here. They're saying that Nashville is almost a sure thing. Major League Baseball doesn't want two teams in the same area southeast. No, it it doesn't. They probably don't. Um, And I think Nashville absolutely has a lead right now. But let's be real. Those things could change. What Charlotte is missing, and it's the biggest piece, is what appears to be a motivated ownership group pushing for this. Now, Tom Dundon's in the mix, but we don't even know if he's, if he's placing most of his time and resources and effort in, in taking the team to Raleigh. Right? We know that. I think he starts with Raleigh. Hell, they've got the governor out there. I mean, they got Cooper talking about it out there. You know, Cooper's, Governor Cooper's trying to, with, with what time he's got left in office, you know, trying to help them with this baseball effort. And listen, I, I don't hate Raleigh, but it would seriously like sap the excitement for me if they placed that, that team in Raleigh. Plus, I just can't see Major League. First of all, never mind the Charlotte versus Raleigh. You think Raleigh's going to beat out Nashville? There's no shot. No chance. So if North Carolina is going to beat out Nashville for a team, it's going to have to be Charlotte beating out Nashville for the. If someone wants to argue that, by all means, present your argument, your rebuttal to that. But like Raleigh, Raleigh ain't beating out Nashville for a team. Like it has to be Charlotte where it should be. Let's go to smoke on the headlines. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning their chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. All right, Kyle. This report is sponsored by the Allied Air Heating and Air Conditioning of Cornelius. Here's a tech tip from Allied Air. Static buildup in your home is a sign you need more humidity. Call Allied Air Air of Cornelius to install a new whole home humidifier to your heating heating system. Once again, Allied Air Heating and Air Conditioning of Cornelius. Uh, We've finally gotten the hammer dropped down on Isaiah Stewart for his fight that took place behind the scenes in Phoenix with Drew Eubanks, Cal. So for him getting arrested, he got suspended three games. All right, I'm good with that. Thought it would have been more. Whatever. 
I mean, we don't know what happened. True. What else you got? All right. Well, if you are not a fan of The Last Dance and want to get more stuff on the MJ Bulls, you might be in good luck, except it's taking place in Australia. But apparently, there is a no-bull tour taking place in the land down under between Scottie Pippen, Horace Grant, and Luke Longley going on a nationwide tour in Australia discussing their side of the story that took place with the Bulls. All right. Ancient history. What else you got? And finally, Jack Collinsworth who has been the voice of Notre Dame on NBC for the past two years and for Peacock and NBC for various other <laughs> stuff, uh, has been let go. Ooh. Um, Jack Collinsworth's p- picture is next to the word nepotism in the dictionary. Let's just call it what it is. Like, Jack Collinsworth does not get near a network broadcast if he's not Chris Collinsworth. He sucked. He's just, listen, it, it, it's, it's, it happens all the time in our industry. Happens all the time. Right, so it's no no one's new to it, but I mean, it is what it is. He, you know, started with the ACC network, gone, bounced to NBC, started doing some NFL stuff. He's on the sidelines. He's doing NBC football, Notre Dame football, and he's out. I mean, his his picture is next to nepotism in the dictionary. Seven zero four five seven zero ninety six ten. Keep hitting us up on the text line. I want to get to some of these when we come back. That and who balled out? Sports Radio ninety two seven WFNZ. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Coming up Friday morning on the Mac and Bone Show. Footy Fridays are back. Charlotte FC Radio Annos Jessica Charman's back with us to preview Saturday's season opener. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNC. Ticks on the clock. Below. Good protection. Throws in the end zone. Touchdown! Ricky Pro! It's going to be a drag race. Performers, big time achievers, we call it Who Balled Out, and it's powered by High Performance Real Estate Advisors and the biggest baller of them all, Thomas Elrod. Go to highperformancerealestate.com and they'll see you at the closing table. Smoke what you got. Well, I'm going to go with Jeremy Roach. It was a well balanced effort for Duke last night against Miami, but he led the way with 16 points, four six from behind the arc, including three rebounds and three assists. Duke continues to roll as they got a big matchup this weekend in Winston Salem. I like it. I like it. I'm going to LSU. See that buzzer beater last night? It's pretty good, huh? Yeah, that, and I saw the reaction from uh, the Kentucky Sports (laughs) Bar Grill. (laughs) I did, too. Uh, LSU's Tyrell Ward mobbed on the court by jubilant fans after, you know, hitting that floater as time expired. He scored 17 points, and LSU pulled out a second straight comeback victory over a ranked team. With a 75-74 victory over number 17, Kentucky. Uh, John Calipari, by the way, um, 
Well, first of all, after the game, lamenting the the fact that they couldn't score or secure a number of loose balls late in the game. I was very upset about the 50-50 balls, but uh, Calipari didn't have much to say after the game, and Kentucky fans were really, at least from what I saw, letting him have it. Um, It's been a slow decaying. uh, They're just not happy with him. They're not happy with him. I think since the COVID year, it's become very apparent. Yeah, well, he's got that lifetime contract, him and Bill Self, so, like, you're stuck with him. And and I don't think Calipari's suddenly an idiot. I don't think he sucks, but... I mean, the, the standard there is what the standard is. Even if he's only won one national championship, they expect Kentucky to be in the mix for a national championship every year. Like the last time I really feel like things were kind of somewhat kumbaya with them was actually PJ when PJ was there. It was PJ Washington's last year in 2018-19 when they beat Wofford and made it to the Elite Eight. Ever since then, it's just either been the COVID year or the year that got canceled due to COVID, then the year after that, they were awful. And then they lose to St. Peter's, and I forget who they lost to last year in the tournament very early. I think it was in Greensboro, if I'm not mistaken. But they've – it's just not been – it's something is just not clicking right. No, I mean, they, they haven't brought in consistently the same caliber of talent. All, now, they've still had plenty of talent. That's – you know, a good coach should be able to work with what they've got. But I, at times it just seems that – I don't know that Calipari's checked out, but the, the impact is just not there. It's not there from a coaching standpoint. And, you know, he gets frustrated with some of the mental lapses and things like that. But, um, again, LSU pulled off a big win last night, and, boy, they needed it, man. Somebody saying uh, Chase Hunter, too, by the way. Clemson, they, they Chase Hunter turned in a strong performance for Clemson last night. They whooped Georgia Tech. Yeah. 81-57. Chase Hunter, 31 minutes on the floor, 18 points, 6 rebounds, 6 assists. Um, six of ten shooting, four of six from deep. It's just hey. they're looking more and more like the team that I saw in December that went to uh, Tuscaloosa and beat up on Alabama. That that's that's a good sign for Clemson. Which by the way, big win for Alabama last night against Florida. Yeah. So it just shows you that this don't. If it wasn't for the horrendous early January portion of the season, we would not be having near as many concerns. But considering Brad Brunell's track record how it seems like it always happens with Clemson. We've had a lot more questions than I think we should about this Clemson team. Okay. Yeah, I I like that. By the way, we also got a text from someone uh, that just chimed in a little while ago that said, hey, KB, have you talked about this ridiculous Brian Burns situation and how he wants $30 a year? He's not worth $30 a year. I've gotten a couple of those. Yes, we, we of course, have talked about it, no doubt. Um, I I don't know how much more there is to say about it. They're either going to tag him or they're going to figure out a deal, or they're going to trade him, possibly a, a tag and trade, sign and trade. I mean, there are multiple options on the table here. I just don't think that, I don't know. I, I, this is, this It should have never gotten to this point. Brad Spielberger, capologist, cap specialist, joined Mac and Bone this morning and said, hey, just so we're all clear, Brian Burns' value is only going to continue to go up the longer you wait. The longer you wait, the more the market's going to go up and up and up. And obviously, we saw Nick Bosa sign a deal for $34 million a year last year. Obviously, I'm not saying he's going to get into those numbers, but you know, that's kind of the nature of what happens when you know a, a, a big contract comes through and rises every deal behind it. And now you're going to see Josh Allen and Jacksonville probably also get franchise tags like Burns, but as an argument to become you know the next $30 million per year edge rusher. So even if you don't think Burns is kind of on the – the level of the guys at that number, you look right now, T.J. Watt at 28, Joey Bosa at 27, those guys signed their deals, you know, three, four years ago. So that's just kind of how the market tends to go. Um, he is worth $27, 28000000 million a year. Maybe not 30, 
but was certainly up in that area as one of the better pure pass rushers in the NFL. I know there was some, you know, some scattered production this past season, but a really, really good player, um, a foundational piece, a cornerstone of a defense. That's that's his market. There you go. So that was Brad Spielberger this morning with Mac and Bone. Says twenty-eight to thirty million dollars. That's what it's going to cost. He's still a foundational piece. He's this. He's that. And the truth is, he's absolutely technically right. The, the, the value is going to keep going up for now anyway. And they're out of time. So somebody's got to give somewhere. And oh, by the way, if you weren't listening yesterday, we had a caller call the show and claim that he's close, very close to Brian Burns. And that the report from Joe Person and others, I think it's, I shouldn't say others because it was the Joe Person report that got us talking about it. But I, I think we might have heard this number ballparked elsewhere before. It's Joe Person's report. That's the point. He said, uh, caller called in and said, I know Brian Burns. I'm close to Brian Burns, and all that's BS. I got inside source, very close inside source to the situation, and I'm telling you, the way they structured that deal was fluffed. It was a fluff deal. They was taken away. They the, the deal was not $27 million. I'm telling you this to be true. Okay. It was not $27 million. They put a lot of fluff there. It was like $20 million. And if he did this and did this and did this and did this and this, he would get, you know, it was some so not obtainable uh, deals uh, in that in that structure. So the way they posed it, like they offered him twenty seven million dollars, that's not true. They only offered him so much, but then he, all the other stuff was fluffed in, and he was like, "No, I'm," you know, his agent was like, "No, I'm not doing that because it's not it's not even acceptable on par with some other deals." All right, that's what he said. He said it was all fluff, as he put it. Now we thought he said something else at the time. You did. I well, when I said almost everybody, but you did too. Uh, and he's basically saying it's more like 20 and really incentive laden, which a lot of fans were like, yeah, do that. But, you know, Brian Burns isn't going to do that. But, I mean, could you find a way? Can Brant Tillis find a way to, to get like, hey, we're going to start at 25. Here are some reasonable incentives that you can hit that can get you to 27, 28, 29, 30. Right? That sort of thing. I mean, I, I wanted to play the call because it was interesting. And I heard Mac and Bone talking about it this morning. But, I mean, the truth is, I mean, can, can you – can you lay a decent foundation, like a base there with some obtainable incentives that make everybody happy? Is that possible? <laughs> Not if it's at 20, no. Somebody's claiming it was Burns' brother, that he's obsessive on Twitter, now he's calling radio shows. Was that Stanley McClover? No, that was, like we said yesterday, that was more than likely, if it was any Panther, it was Eugene Robinson. Yeah. It did sound like Eugene Robinson. <laughs> You're right. Hour number three next. We'll, we'll talk about this because the texts are coming in hot and heavy. But I also want to talk about some things that Brad Spielberger said about potential wide receiver targets for Carolina. That's next. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.